Full disclosure, I'm Robin Farzad. Butterfly in the sky, I can go twice as high. Take a look, it's in a book, a reading rainbow. Barnes & Noble's not my competition. Neither is Amazon. I don't compete with them. I can't compete with them. Our real competition's Netflix. It's the fact that people have other things to do than read. There's competition for people's free time. They're on their phones. That's, to me, what the bookselling industry needs to focus on next. 23 years ago, in the dawn of Netscape, a tiny company called Amazon.com sold a book. Then, by that fall, $20,000 a week worth of books. Now it's 2018. Amazon, worth $875 billion, is one of the planet's largest corporations. Borders is gone. So is Walden Books. Barnes & Noble is hanging on to dear life. And yet, yet, the number of independent bookstores in the country is actually growing. What's up with that? Stay with us. This week's episode made possible by Health Warrior, maker of the Health Warrior Chia Bar, which I love. I eat one every morning. Whether it's a mango or apple cinnamon, I'm super psyched that they've actually reformulated it to have three grams of sugar per bar instead of five grams. So with only 100 calories, Chia Bars are the perfect fit for your healthy lifestyle. They're made with real plant-based ingredients that fill you up without weighing you down. Plus, they're dairy-free, gluten-free, soy-free, and non-GMO. Per bar, you get 1,100 milligrams of omega-3s, 5 grams of fiber, 100 calories. It's kosher, non-GMO verified, 100% vegan, certified gluten-free. What more can you possibly ask for? I practice what I preach because I do eat one every morning with a cold brew coffee, and it it spazzes me out perfectly. No, it's a great, great thing, and my daughter loves them as well. Check them out at healthwarrior.com. You could also find them at Elwood Thompson's. You could find them at Whole Foods, wherever you find health bars. And by Elwood Thompson's, my favorite store in Virginia at the top of Carytown at Elwood and Thompson Streets, hence the name, and at elwoodthompsons.com. Joining me in studio is Kelly Justice, owner of Fountain Bookstore, which turns 40 this year. She's the former president and current board member at the Southern Independent Booksellers Alliance. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. Likewise. As well as David Schumann, owner since January of Book People, which has been in business since 1980 in Richmond, Virginia. But uh, David gave it a new lease on life through a $31,000 Indiegogo campaign. Sir, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I have to tell you, by way of full disclosure, Kelly was a first-time author's best best, bestest pal. Um, I, you know, I published uh, Hotel Scarface back in October, and she held my hand through the process and the months leading up to it. She dealt with all my insecurities. I cried on her shoulders. I bitched on her shoulders. Mm -hmm. She launched my book party, um, helped me with all of the, the people I wanted to contact. She uh, put me in touch with the Southern Independent Booksellers Alliance. Who would have thought an Iranian Jew in the capital, the former capital of the Confederacy, writing about cocaine Miami? Uh, but but that That's is exactly the, our kind of gig. That is exactly That's what that we kind love. of And I won something like the Golden <laughs> Okra Award. What was that thing? It's called an Okra Pick. I, I'm, I'm so Get blessed. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. Um, I want to go back to an anecdote. When I first met you, you told me how hard it is when you took over this business, what, mm. 10 years ago, and the fear and anxiety and angst into that. Again, we go back to Amazon being founded in the early to mid-90s, and this was firmly in the company's crosshairs initially. So what hope was there for an independent bookseller? Um, I don't know. I think I might have been a little insane when I took it over in 2000. I, I, it was not um, – I mean, I'm sorry, 2008. 
And I mean, 2008, what a time to buy a business. I mean, that between the recession and Amazon being at its absolute, uh, you know, the beginning of its serious, serious growth period. It was it was an insane thing, but I just I couldn't stand to let a a, a marvelous bookstore that had been around for so long just die. You know, I just I just couldn't bear the thought it, of this city being without this this little shop. Don't you remember Borders, Walden Books? Uh oh yes, I remember Borders because that happened um, a couple years into. It seized uh, operations. It liquidated in 2011. Right, 2011. And and it was a terrible thing for independent bookstores. You wouldn't think that, would you? You would, you would think it would have been an automatic awesome win for indies, but it wasn't because all of our bills came due the next day. All the credit dried up, and it became even harder to run an independent bookstore when borders collapsed. Because, oh, wait, interestingly, that yeah, put the pinch on you. Everybody wanted to totally. get paid. Totally. All my bills came due the next day. It was so bad. It was... It was um, it was the toughest period for for our shop since uh, I took it over. David Schumann, uh, what are you smoking? What were you smoking when you attempted to raise $50,000 to rescue this uh, musty little bookstore on the west end of Richmond here, and you raised $31,000? Good question. I don't know what I was smoking. Uh, when you tell people you want to open a bookstore, the most common response you get is, don't do it. <laughs> um, but... I had been working there, and the owner, Ruth, was looking to sell it, and everybody kept asking me, why don't you take it over? And I kept telling them, I don't have the money. I can't afford to, to do this. And uh, one of my, or I should say our longtime customers said, why don't you do a crowdfunding? And so that's what we did. That's a really common issue is is the the booksellers who've been working for a long time in established bookstores. When it comes time for an ownership change, there's just not – they're not making enough – booksellers are, you know, we're not – as a class of people, we're not rolling in cash, so we don't generally have the funding to take over. And so uh, this crowdfunding thing is happening more and more. It's very cool. So I just want the background here is the longtime owner of the book, People, Ruth Erb. She was 85 uh, at the end of last year. She owned it since when? Since 1980. So she said this in her quote, <laughs> thank God David knows about computers. Uh, <laughs> she plans to transfer ownership to Schumann as the expected renovations get underway. She remained as an employee. Quote, I call them machines. Uh, she still keeps records on slips of paper. That's what makes a place like this endearing. But it also puts in sharp relief why it's so difficult to compete with a company worth more than $900 billion in Amazon, right, that is intensely interested in metrics and predictive technology and uh, cookies and tracking you across the thing. You, you would think that it's kind of laughable. To try and keep track of things on slips of paper? For yeah. her to compete, <laughs> for that entire entity built in kind of her image to compete with an Amazon. You would think that, but as good as the... Um recommendations, algorithms that Amazon uses are getting, it will never help you find the book you didn't know you wanted. And what we do have is the customer service. And so people love Ruth. They love coming in. And she has an encyclopedic knowledge of five million little slips of paper and can go and put her hands on just the one to keep track of a book for a customer. And Amazon can't do that. In our store, when I train new booksellers, I say it's the right book for the right person at the right time. You know, Amazon doesn't know you lost your mother last week. You know, Amazon doesn't know that that you've got a new baby in the house and and you're 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 short on time. Um, and it, and it doesn't um, 
it doesn't cover for there's certain you know your 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 book list and the things that you're going to be interested in is going to change according to your circumstances and and a machine doesn't doesn't see that it doesn't care about that and um and i think that's one of the most important parts of the job absolutely so when this this did she approach you how did it work she said the alternative was for me to kind of wind this thing down as you were an employee well she was trying to sell the business and the customers would ask me, why don't you be the one to buy it? And so then when that customer said, why don't you do a crowdfunding to do it, Ruth was all for it because it meant the bookstore staying in somebody's hands that she knew and trusted. And that's basically how that works. So like, let's yeah. seize on this concept here. And I'm at your GoFundMe page. Um, where you ultimately raise a little under $32,000. I see it in increments everywhere from $10, $30, $100, people with anonymous names, Whitney and Andrew Melton. Um, you were selling ownership to a whole tranche of people as opposed to being publicly traded or as opposed to being just kind of this um, you know, noblesse oblige, I'm a wealthy guy with money to throw around as, as Jeff Bezos of Amazon did with the Washington Post. What was in it for them? What was the value proposition that you made to people? Just have a stake in this thing surviving? Is there any return on investment? There is no return on investment. They did it because they have a passion for books and they want to see independent, well, not just independent bookstores, but independent businesses, period, be able to thrive in this time of e-commerce. And they basically, like what Kelly was just talking about, knowing your customers at the right time at that point in their lives. So this isn't a tiny cottage in a mixed residential area near a pizza place that I frequent that I kind of noticed. That it's, you know, it's next to some FedEx receptacle, and you kind of <laughs> have to squint to find where this mm -hmm. bookstore is. But you said in the campaign that the money will be used for removing the original carpet and restoring the wood floors, making electrical improvements, especially improving the lighting, new paint inside and out, restroom improvements, replacement shelving units, stronger ones, a sales counter, a point-of-sale system, which will help Ruth tremendously by keeping track of her thousands of books, underwriting operating expenses during the time the store is closed for renovations. That's what it really boils down to. I mean, within doing all this, are you able to pay yourself at this point? Oh, no. <laughs> <clears throat> Very little. Yeah. But I don't know, what's your day job? You commute from what, Orange? Is that 80 miles away? Uh, it's an hour and 10 minutes door to door. Good Lord. Yeah, so I I, I, your I motivation I is really like, you are, you are like Tarantino in the video shop type thing. Is that right? Wasn't he a video store worker? We're booksellers. We don't watch yeah, what? movies. Yeah, what? Video? <laughs> I don't understand. So what do you do for a living is my question. I am paying myself just enough to meet my bills, basically. So that was part of the crowdfunding amount that we wanted to raise because I knew I would need that to carry me over till we could start actually making some money, hopefully, at some point in the future. Hmm. Yeah. Did you get any national attention through this? Did you get people reaching out saying, wow, you're doing this? To save a... I did, actually, um, all the way from Japan, in fact, but it was mostly people who already had a connection to the store. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you got cover uh, coverage in the industry. Shelf Awareness picked it up, and uh, that's that's a great resource for anybody who's interested in this industry. Yeah. I was looking at this morning, two more bookstores opened this morning, little little bookstores, and that's, that's exciting. Yeah. Kelly, will you break it down for our listeners, kind of the economics in an individual book? Uh, when a person does the reflexive thing, maybe uh, going to Amazon and seeing yeah. that a book is on sale for $19.60, where is the margin? What is the, what is the book industry selling it to them for? Because there are various tiers of this. Like I noticed that they were underpricing um, 
my indie booksellers at the very outset because they were able to get their mitts on remaindered copies or press copies, the oh, likes that were sent to the Today Show mm-hmm. and everyone else. Wh- how does it work? What is the margin in this? I mean, what what is the industry selling it for? What is your profit motivation? Well, I, I will say I'm not going to speak about very specific numbers because they vary from company to company. Um, they're not supposed to, but they do. Uh, the I will say that with the exception of electronics, books has the lowest margin in retail of any product, and that a lot of the way that the business model of the way Amazon makes money is not necessarily on the books themselves, but on placement fees. Uh, you know whether a book gets featured, is advertised on the front page. That's where the money is being made on the books, and 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 it's not so it's not on the books themselves. So f- often. Uh, not as much anymore, though. I, I've noticed that their prices are starting to rise on books on Amazon. But um, I've noticed that every once in a while they'll have a book priced for lower than I can buy it for. Now, I mean, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. I, I can't, you know, if it's priced less than what I buy it for, then, I mean, you know, you can't sell things for less than what you buy them for. That's a quick way to go out of business. So, I mean, what they were over there making money on dog food and diapers and what have you and it and it affects um, well truth be told they don't make a lot of money on anything not not really it's it it's that i believe they make money on data collection Uh they make money on uh, data storage for the cia for example and they make money on um, those are the real money makers there is data collection and storage and that's the asymmetric warfare that i was thinking about When, when you and i were talking about this business maybe a week ago or so um this is a company that is uniquely not judged on profitability. If it's a retailer, it should be looked at in terms of same store sales. But it's not a retailer. No. Is it a is no. it a cloud play? Is it a media company? They have a film studio. They rent out a lot of music. They give you a lot of music if you buy stuff on Amazon Prime. It's a subscription mm-hmm. service that competes with Costco. And then you, meanwhile, have to keep the lights on. You have to pay workers. You have to have a reasonable return over your cost of capital. Where is there any margin left? Well, you're fi- we're finding new places to make margin other than just books. I mean, we do – our focus is always going to be on books and, and reading and joining authors and, and, and readers together and, and, and the, the experience of being in a bookstore. But you got that margin is something you can't ignore. You've got to, to – it's got to come from somewhere and just books has proven not really to be enough. So we carry sideline items. We carry chocolate. We carry – Socks. Oven mitts, lots of socks, socks, lots of socks. Everybody in the book industry is talking about socks these days. Um, lots of socks. Um, any kind of thing that might make somebody in, – in my store, our, our mission is discovering delight. So you know, if something's going to be in the store that's not a book, I want it either to – go to do something good in the world. A lot of the products that we carry uh, donate to various, you know, Doctors Without Borders or, or local charities, uh, or, or they got to make you giggle because that's my story. You know, it's, it's got to, it's got to either do something good for somebody or make you laugh. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's the mission, discovery and delight. And, um, and those, those items have higher margins. We're also starting to charge for events sometimes if they're, high-end events and um, or events with a high demand and because uh, that's a service we provide you know that's that's bringing these authors to town is not without cost it takes years to build relationships to to bring the authors to to the city 
Um, so we're starting to charge for some of that stuff too. And how big a problem for you is 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 this warehousing epidemic where you've seen Best Buy describe it? People come in and use you as a showroom. Showrooming. Sorry, showrooming. Yeah. I've already repressed the the verb with it. I've, and then they consummate the transaction over Amazon. <laughs> I lost my well. I sort of lost it on Twitter the other day, uh, where I live, by the way, Fountain BK store. Uh, I, I I love um, uh, that medium, but occasionally, you know, normally I'm very positive and happy, but this woman came in the other day, and I'd love to, love to say this this doesn't happen very often, but it happens pretty often, and she she not only has got her Amazon cart open and is putting my recommendations from my recommendation shelf in there, when I walk up to her to, to say, well, I'll talk to her about books or whatever, she doesn't even hide it, you know, it's just like, it's, 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 perfectly legit behavior to to do your shopping in front of me with using my brain that 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 you know i your read overhead, that book. your yeah. bricks your mortar not all that and my lovely lighting and my cozy atmo you know and and she's using that and and i, I mean i totally lost it on 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 social media for like a second and then and you know what really disturbed me is the fact that you know as as much as we're on there, so I got a whole bunch of likes for this post, tons and tons and tons of likes, and uh, it was a really negative, angry post. And I thought, well, why doesn't my nice, happy stuff get all these likes? What does that say about the world? Maybe that's a larger question than we could answer today. Sign of our time. That woman yeah. probably went home and complained about the crumbling schools and the potholes and the roads and didn't realize because none and of the those fact taxes that the cops didn't come when she called them last time. You know, right. yeah. Well. Full disclosure, I'm Robin Farzad. We are talking to the bookselling resistance, two uh, dogged indie bookstore owners that are are trudging along and fighting the good fight in 2018. David Schumann, owner of the Book People. Uh, I do wonder uh, at, at the other kind of uh, diminished uh, 10-ton elephant in the room. Maybe it's a one-ton elephant at this point. Barnes & Noble. I mean, this is a, a slow march to liquidation. They've, I hope they've, not. Really? Yes, we need Barnes & Noble to survive. Tell me about that. We'll have all the same problems that we had when Borders closed if they go out of the room. For one thing, um, most of the main distributors uh, want independence to survive and count on Barnes & Noble placing the orders to so they can survive buying books from the publishers, if that makes sense. Could I could I confess something? I'm not so sad if they go under. They did nothing for me. I'm they okay. did negative they I'm did okay. negative nothing for me when my book came out. I should explain that I'm really not a fan of theirs. I'm worried about the industry if they fold. That that is a valid concern. Yeah. Um that's a valid concern. But um I and you were here too, actually. We're one of the we're the two booksellers that survived when uh Barnes & Noble came to town. Um, we were two, There were 10 bookstores that were put out of business in two years uh, when they came into Richmond with their – and every market in America for, with their predatory practices. And maybe, maybe some of those booksellers didn't deserve to be in business. Maybe they weren't doing such a great job. But some of them were good books, bookstores. You know, uh, I worked for one that went under. A, friend of, a dear friend of mine owned one that went under. And, and, uh, and, and so, so I feel – while I would feel very uh, – this is a tough question because well, it, what do they do? I mean, are they decide in, in the New York market, for example, in Manhattan where I lived previously? It was a real honor to be invited to the Barnes and Noble on the Upper West Side, not the one that that shuttered on Lincoln mm -hmm. Center, but in Union Square. Like they bring in real A list 
um, authors and, and people would show up there. Uh, but a bunch of them in Miami where I was have shut down. A bunch of them across the country seem to emphasize toys and stuffed animals more. There's been a, a, a paucity of leadership, private equity activists. There's a lot of square footage. And I don't know what they're holding on to right now. If there's, uh, well, They've tried that, music and the CD has been disrupted. I mean, what's right. left? Well, I think their biggest problem is their uh, long-term leases in very large square footage areas. That's that's uh, that's an economic pro- – I mean, that's why you're seeing them close is as soon as the lease, lease runs up in these large properties. Uh, that's It's not a very interesting point, but it's 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 – one of the reasons why I think both of us survived is is uh, we're we're small and a small a small car can turn around tight turns really make quick adjustments. The board of directors meeting at uh, at Fountain is me looking in the mirror. I mean, it's like it's, <laughs> that's that's uh, it's over pretty quick. You know, there's a decision that needs to be made, and uh, uh, so it's it's a big clunky thing that can't adjust. Quick, quickly, and, and that's, I'd like to point out that yeah. Barnes and Noble is not my competition. Neither is Amazon. I don't compete with them. I can't compete with them. So what well, I do, I'll take it a step further. I mean, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, we're gonna. I want to see. I want to see what uh, the step further. Is. No, I, I do. I talk to books booksellers about this all the time. It's like you know, it, it, sure, Amazon's a problem, and sure, uh, Barnes and Noble is competition for us. But our real competition, man, it's Netflix. It's the fact that that. People have other things to do than than read. I mean, they they want they there's competition for people's free time. They're they're on their phones. You know, they're on their phones. It's 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 uh, that's to me what the book selling industry needs to focus on next uh, or all the time and forever. We need to be a, a legitimate channel for people to spend their free time. And right now, we're just not sexy enough. You know, you gotta you gotta be. As interesting as the next season of Game of Thrones. That's the real. That's the real uh, challenge. She's, she's I think. right, but I do see some hope in the fact that young adult is the fastest growing book category. True. I'm quoting uh, True. the late David Carr, the New York Times, when he was uh, being interviewed in NPR. He said, "We are entering a golden age of journalism. I do think there has been horrible frictional costs, but I think when we look back at what has happened, I look at my backpack that is sitting in here, and it contains more journalistic firepower than the entire newsroom that I walked into 30 to 40 years ago. It's connected to the cloud. I can make digital recordings of everything that I do. I can check in real time if someone is telling me the truth. I have a still camera that takes video that I can upload quickly and seamlessly." He also lamented in one of of his great final pieces, I, I recall that this is a problem because I have a 25,000 word expose in Scientology as one of the 10 New Yorkers waiting for me. And that's competing mm-hmm. with a season of House of Cards. And that's competing with these bestsellers that I want to read. And Netflix's founder itself, Reed Hastings, says our biggest competitors, not Hulu or HBO, it's sleep. It's, it's hours that's of the right. day to consume all these things. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's it's and it's uh there's there's so much out there. I mean, I I, I am guilty of of I was in a waiting room for something the other day, and I and I spent it playing some stupid video game that involved sweets. I forget on my phone for Candy Crush for, Saga. No, no, no. It was it was a cookie. Cookie Crush, cook one of the one of the lesser imitators, but um, I find that I prefer it. Um, so I, I, you know, I had a book in my bag. I got no excuse. I got books on my phone. I, I mean, and and I spent a half an hour exploding cookies. 
you know. Um, and did the iPad Kindle Nook thing not become a game changer ultimately? I would have the thought last that would have been years, so. Yeah, well, we were worried about that. The last two years, digital sales have actually decreased 2% year over year uh, for the last two years. And the biggest increase in, in reading, uh, I, David, we were talking about the team. Well, you can address this the, the youth the young teens, adult books teens prefer are growing the codex. because kids are having screen overload they're using screens to play and in school and so they actually prefer a real book as a break from all the screen time tell me more about that well i don't know that i can <laughs> I, can, I can a little yeah. bit because i mean we 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 discuss these issues in our um our book club it's uh, called fountain of youth and it's we have um, it's where adults discuss young adult literature and its growth and 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 impact on on uh, kids. And one of the things that the the when you think about your room when you're a kid, and I don't know about you, but I had posters and collections and records and books that showed. Who I was, and and your phone that you carry around can't show who you are. But if you if you're a teenager and you're developing an identity, your collections show who you are. The posters on your walls, your collections of books, and I think that that teenagers were reaching for that, and and I think they still are, and I think they they will for as long as there are teens. I can't, I can't imagine that will change. There was a shocking stat that the Pew Research Center issued. It's, it's a little dated now. In 2014, it said, millennials are reading more books than the over 30 crowd in a survey of more than 6,000 Americans. Some 88% of Americans younger than 30 said they read a book in the past year compared with 79% of those older than 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly, you and I discussed increasing that pie. Um, you know, there was a uh, a, a famous athlete. Who was it? He was the quarterback, Andrew Luck, of the Indianapolis Colts mm. that had a book club. We we think about book clubs, and I'm thinking of my aunt and, uh, you know, older oh, women in their 60s and 70s. Or maybe wine and, 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 and getting older together, ladies. And that... older ladies kind of doing it. And um, uh, it, it's not kind of a younger, millennial-centric, hipster thing to do. Yes, it is. Yeah, there are science fiction book clubs. There are hipster book clubs. There are... Any topic you care to name, book clubs from all ages and genders. I know a group yeah. of young women that, that in their twenties that have these things where they're they're reading lockdowns, where they'll all it's it's like a contemporary slumber party where they'll all bring in three or four books they want to read that weekend, and and they have dinner together, and their their purpose is to read together, and they don't. I mean, they're just sitting there quietly and reading. Isn't that crazy? I never thought I'd see twenty year olds doing that, 20, 22-year-olds. But they come in right before one of these big weekends and get clumps of books together. And um, But I, th- I think I'd like to see more, uh, back to what we were talking about, the book club with um, with the NFL quarterback. Those are the kind of partnerships I'd like to see. I love I love the fact that the American Booksellers Association is, is partnering with PBS. I think that's great. But are we really growing the pie there? I get this, I get this feeling that people are watching PBS – are probably already reading. That's just my well, guess. Yeah, you, we talked about the, it, and everybody said if the the, the, great the press American placements yeah. that you want to get Farzad with your book coming out, if you get on Terry Gross and Fresh Air, you are golden because her people buy books. If you get the New York Times review, you are golden because her people buy books. But, but I'm what tempted about People to Magazine? Like, you know, in Parade, there's far bigger readership there. You yeah, know, but they're older. The, they're older constituents. That, that I mean, Parade. If you if you open up a Parade, parade magazine on the weekend, they're doing <laughs> hearing aid ads. I'm not kidding. Yeah. And those bathtub. 
guards oh, for dear. older people. I, I mean, this is this is the problem. And then there's an advertising problem as well. We spoke about Book Riot. We spoke about other media to kind of get this out and maybe Netflix – Netflix, which which has this voracious, voracious demand for content, for sure. Kind of I mean, all you have to stuff. do to make a book sell is make a movie out of it. Nobody, I mean, everybody knows that that works. You know, I mean, I'm more, I'm so excited about Fahrenheit 451 on HBO because I know I'm going to sell tons of that book. I love it. So why don't we see? I, I want to see more deliberate partnerships like that, or or aggressively pushing maybe individual books to be made to, into movies. Maybe maybe it looks like we. As booksellers vote for the books we want to see made into movies, wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> ah, I just came up with a new idea. I'm so excited. Okay, <laughs> I got I to gotta ask you this, and not to take you back to the original sin and, and and with Amazon, but it's not just Amazon. Amazon owns Audible. Big deal. Amazon mm. owns Goodreads. Yes, I deleted my account the day that that happened. So how is and they that? own Abe, which is my biggest pet peeve at the moment. Tell me about that. It's the American Booksellers Exchange. It's independent bookstores all over the world on this website, and Amazon bought it. And there are some issues with the website, and I don't know that this is true, but quite a few people have suggested that Amazon is intentionally not fixing those mistakes to drive people to the Amazon market instead. Oh, that could be. Yeah, that that wouldn't surprise me. I just found out that um, a wonderful alternative to Goodreads that I've been using for years uh, since the Goodreads thing, let's see, let's see.com. It's an app. And I love it. And it's a great place to store my stuff. And I found out that they were bought by Library Thing, which has got a 40% is 40% owned by Amazon. So they're collecting data. So has Goodreads turned into the kind of the Rotten Tomatoes for you and in, in the way filmmakers say that just ruins us out of the gate? You know, if, if if a movie is panned or something, do people I don't reflexively think so. I don't, go to? Yeah, I, no, we do. We do have people in the store that are looking at Goodreads before they make a decision on buying a book, rather than rather than they're going there. They're going to the the crowdsourcing their their taste is kind of a way of looking at it, as opposed to making their own decision or or uh, you know maybe consulting a bookseller who who might who might have. Different feedback. You don't know. I don't know why. Sometimes there are people that are reviewing things on Goodreads and on Amazon that are that are making money at this. That have a have a have an interest in in reviewing one way or the other. So I think it's kind of a polluted uh, source. Full disclosure, I'm Robin Farzad. We are talking to the bookselling resistance, if you will. Kelly Justice, owner of Fountain Bookstore in the RVA, which turns 40 this year. And uh, David Schumann, owner and savior of Book People, which has been in business since 1980, had a near-death experience until he brought it out uh, back to life with a GoFundMe campaign. I do want to ask you about this model. Uh, Mitchell Kaplan, we've spoken about him, of Books and Books, which is a thriving indie chain uh, emanating from Miami, and I did one of my book parties there at its Coral Gables flagship. And I, let's be very honest. I love Miami, but it's not the most literate town in the world. It's not people talking about books left and right, but he has converted that flagship in Coral Gables off Miracle Mile into a cafe and culinary destination. And that has always been kind of the other, the, the the discussion in this. Is it a canard? Like, for example, Cheesecake Factory Cheesecake did not rescue Barnes & Noble. Each of them having a Starbucks did not rescue Barnes & Noble. Have you had to resist the siren call of cafeizing your entire concept? Yes. I'm open had, to it. I've had to resist it because I don't want to serve coffee. <laughs> I'm, I'm open to it, but in, in a... It would have to be a partnership because I don't 
want to be in the restaurant business. But you're not clearing enough margin in the book interest. And I understand that the psychic margin is there for you and it's a labor of love. But at some point... Oh, no, I'd like to make some more money. I'm not... Yeah, that's 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 uh, for sure. And, and, and the markup... The margin on coffee is kind of ridiculous. I, I'm sure you know that. It's it's uh, you know, twenty cents to make a cup, and and how much are we paying for coffee? How much are we? I don't know, but um, a lot. Uh, it is it is tempting, but there, most of my friends are in the restaurant business, and if there's anything more terrifying than the book business, it would have to be restaurant. You know, there there are a million more things that you have to worry about. God bless them. How has have... Mitchell Kaplan pulled this off in all these newfangled places? I mean, we, we talk about what? Was there one in Bermuda? One in the Florida Keys? Grand Cayman. Grand, Grand Cayman. Cayman. Grand Cayman uh, is, you know, uh, also has all of his stores. Well, he, Southampton. He started with like a 600-square-foot store, and now all of his stores, I think there's five. Um, I lose track sometimes. Mitchell's a busy man. All of them have associated cafes and or full-on dining restaurants or wine bars. Um, he also has a movie production company. Their first um, – what was uh, Guernsey right. Literary Potato And have indie, have indie booksellers pie? discussed that more as a template for longevity? Uh, I would – Destination – Absolutely. Destination reading or – uh, destination? Are you talking about bookstore tourism, or are you talking I don't more know, about but about experience? If I'm there on Miracle Mile, and a lot of the sources of my book, a lot of the retired drug dealers live not far from Miracle Mile, and they mm-hmm. love to go to books and books. You should have seen the book party there. It was like half cops, half ex-cons, oh, wow. and everything on separate sides of the room. I was hoping. I told everybody when I first got up that would you please like empty your guns first before I get up and speak. I mean, uh, that is, that. There, there's this, there's but this. But think uh, of how many books that would have sold. Yeah. That's well, terrible. I shouldn't have said that. Well, <laughs> no, it's true. We were going to stage, no, 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 we were going to stage get, a shitty editing gets, that nobody out. Nobody gets hurt. Nobody gets, <laughs> we nobody gets stage, hurt. Just, uh, just, a, just We were going to stage of... a shooting so that the Miami Herald would cover it, but it seems to be working in that he is expanding and that it's, it's a, it's a business with verve and vitality. And I get the impression that you guys are hanging on, you're trying to survive, but in the few minutes we have left what are where's growth for you is there growth is there a way to kind of ride out whatever amazon and the next recession bring us um barnes and noble might not make it after all uh first of all i think the having the full-on restaurant it's a restaurant that happens to sell books not a bookstore that has food and i think that's one of the differences there mm-hmm. um as far as we go i think that the um Shop local movement is growing, not just in bookstores, but everywhere. Hardware stores like the Pleasants down the street from us, um, the pizza place that you like so much across the street from us. People want to support the local business and community. And I think that will be enough to tide us over. I think that uh, we we have a little bit of a different approach. We, we do things on uh... – on two fronts. One, we certainly partner with our, our local organizations. We've got an, a great event coming up with The Broad, which is a woman's only workspace with the uh, debut author um, with a book called Vox. It's going to come out in a few weeks. It's fantastic. So so focusing on local is, is absolutely uh, one of the things we do. But, you know, we see, we see an opportunity to – we about 20, 20 percent of our sales is online these days. So our customer is the world, you know. I think 
bookstores partnering with local authors and selling books. Robin, I sold a ton of your books to people in Florida. Well, I directed copies. them. I said, here's yeah. the, here's the end. Of, so, so by, by way of, you know, background is I told people, if you want to buy a ton of copies, buy them through Kelly because I can That's sign right. them and she'll hook you up with a discount, like a bulk discount. And people started almost Grouponing and batch processing. And how do you, how do you afford that? Oh, it's it's not the if if you're buying a lump of books at once, the labor costs go to zero. I mean, there's there's next to nothing. So, it's if you're buying twenty, packing up twenty books is the same amount of labor as packing up one. So, so giving them a discount is not. But a big that deal. was supposed to be the ultimate firewall that was supposed to rescue bricks and mortar that no one could ever equilibrate. You know, the shipping stuff. But Amazon Prime totally. If you have that. something, no, if you have something that people want, they're willing to pay for shipping. We ship autographed copies all over the world. Just did a big shipment last week. People, uh, uh, Randy Bly, lead singer, Lamb of God, who, who had a marvelous memoir called Dark Days. He drops by every three, four months and signs a bunch of copies for us and puts it out there on Instagram. And I, you know, and then all of a sudden we're kind of busy for three days. It's 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 awesome. And I think every every bookseller can partner with. Local authors, not local authors. They don't have to be local to you, but they just happen to have to like your store. I mean, you have to do a good job. You can't just, you know, sit. You have to be willing to, to, hustle and 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 be an exceptionally good online bookseller. And then then we and then another thing we do is events. We concentrate really 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 hard on events. We work with over a hundred authors a year. And I mean, it's crazy. We did an event with 14 authors uh, just last Sunday, uh, and and it, the house was packed. And and, and are and, people buying things? Yeah, and they're buying. Th- well, it's ticketed, so you know you have to. You and people understand there is a price to your curation. You're just not there for them to showroom. And a, and a price for the the experience. You know, as when when it comes to author events, it's it's uh, if we don't. If people don't buy the books from us, if they're bringing their books in from outside, I mean, at least buy some socks, you know, <laughs> do something. <laughs> so we're providing entertainment, and uh, and that's that's the job too. David Schumann and the book people close us out. Um, is there going to be another need for a capital raise? I mean, you've been uh, what uh, now half a year into this experiment and in, in rescuing this company. How are sales? Do people recognize what you did? Have have the capital improvements helped with traffic? Don't know yet. Our grand reopening will be August eighteenth. So we're, we're still finishing up these renovations. Um, we did fall short of our goal, so we're having to cut a lot of corners. So hopefully— You got your point-of-sale system. Got our point-of-sale right. system, which is what we needed the most because, you know, slips of paper versus you can't even order from publishers anymore without a computer system. So that was the big thing we needed. Top we, ramen? Have you been eating a lot of that? Yes. Peanut butter is great. <laughs> no, I, I owe you a piece of Superstars pizza, man, there, right across the street. Uh, I really appreciate this. We were joined by Kelly Justice, owner of Fountain Bookstores. It turns 40 this year uh, in downtown RVA in Shaco Slip. And by David Schumann. He's owner of Book People uh, since January, which has been in business since 1980. But given a new lease on life through a, a really nicely covered crowdfunding campaign, you raised about $32,000, right? Yeah. Yeah, I wish yeah. I wish you both the best and can't wait to have you on again. Oh, thank you, Robin. It's thank been you. It's been wonderful. Full disclosure, our engineer is John Valentine. Catch us and love us on the NPR One app. It's a fine app. You must download it and rate us beautifully. And on iTunes at FullDRadio.com. We are hardcover, paperback, trade mass market, book scan worst sellers. I'm Robin Farzad. Be vocal, buy local. Back with you next week. Take a look. It's in a book, a reading rainbow.